as part of our vision to transform the healthcare experience, Temecula Valley Hospital brings you TVH Health Chat. Here's Melanie Cole. If you have a stroke, getting medical care as quickly as possible can help prevent death or minimize the lasting effects of stroke. So that's why it's so important for you to know the signs of a possible stroke, learning your risk factors, and identifying what you need to do if you suspect that you or a loved one is having a stroke. Here to tell us about that today is my guest, Barbara Bush. She's a registered nurse and the stroke program coordinator at Temecula Valley Hospital. Barbara, Tell us what is a stroke. Are there different types? What exactly is it? So I'd like to start with every 40 seconds in the United States, someone suffers a stroke, and every 15 minutes, one person dies. So a stroke is the disease that causes, it's a disease of the vessels that lead to the brain or surrounding the brain, and it occurs when a blood vessel that carries oxygen to the brain is blocked by either a blood clot or it bursts, causing blood to go into the tissues of the brain or around the brain. There's two different types of stroke. There's the ischemic stroke, which means that the, a clot has formed um, in the brain from either coming from the heart or a plaque ruptured, um, similar to a heart attack except in the brain. And the other one is a bleeding stroke, an intracerebral hemorrhage, where actually the blood vessel bursts and blood goes into the brain tissue itself or around the brain. So who would be at risk for stroke? Almost everybody's at risk for stroke. Almost everybody has risk factors for stroke. Um, there are very many risk factors for stroke. Many of us don't even know that we have them. So, for example, one of the statistics I quote is 90% of women have at least one specific risk factor for stroke, and they don't even know it. So, for example, if you have high blood pressure, hypertension, if you have high cholesterol, if you're diabetic, either insulin-dependent or non-insulin-dependent, type 1 or type 2, you're at very high risk for stroke. Um, people with a condition, heart condition called atrial fibrillation are at very high risk for stroke. Um, obesity causes, can cause, can help, um, can cause stroke or can be a risk factor for stroke. More not cause it, but be a risk factor for stroke. Those are the three big ones. Hypertension or high blood pressure is the biggest cause of stroke. So let's talk about the symptoms because that's what people need to know so that they can get that help fast. Speak about that acronym FAST and what does it even mean? So we actually use the acronym BFAST. So there's um, the BFAST acronym is a little bit um, easier for people or um, better describes some of the symptoms of a posterior stroke also, which is a very dangerous stroke. So the BFAST acronym is for balance. So the B is for balance. So if you ever feel off balance, if you feel like you've just gotten off of a boat and you haven't, that you, you have to hang on to a wall to walk straight or you have to hang on to something. Um, um, the E is for eyes. So if you have double vision, blurry vision, um, central vision loss or peripheral vision loss, those can all be signs of a stroke. The, the F in fast is for face. So if you have facial droop, facial numbness, um, you have drooling, you can't swallow correctly, you're having difficulty swallowing, um, the A is for arms. So if you ask someone who you think is having a stroke or you yourself is having a stroke to hold out both of their arms like they're holding a tray of glasses and either they can't get one of their arms up at all in the air or when you hold them up, um, it drifts down back down to the bed or back down to their lap. Um, the S is for speech. So if they can't understand you, if you can't understand them, or if they can't follow commands or if they can't talk at all, and the T is for time. We can't treat these people unless they get to the, to the hospital, to a primary stroke center, um, or a, a, any hospital that can treat stroke. 
and the time frame is very important. Um, there's a very finite amount of time we can acutely treat a stroke. So it's the first four and a half hours from the time the symptoms show up until we give a drug to break up the clot. We only have four and a half hours. So it's very, very important for people to get to the hospital. That is the number one reason we cannot treat acute stroke is because people don't come to the hospital in time. So that's a great point that you made of why time is just so important. Should the person call 911 or if you have a loved one, should you drive them or does EMS help to start that process and alert the hospital of what's going on? Absolutely. They should always call 911, even if you live across the street from the hospital, because what happens with activating 911 is that the paramedics come to the ho- come to your house or wherever this incident is happening. Um, they assess you. They then call the primary stroke center. Um, not all hospitals are primary stroke centers. Most are nowadays. Um, but the EMS people, the EMS uh, providers will call the hospital ahead and say, hey, we're coming in with a stroke. This is what we have. The stroke team meets you at the door. So there's no delay um, of getting you in. When you come in through um, driving yourself, you have to go through what's called the triage area in um, in the uh, in the waiting room, and that even that five minute delay, which is usually what it takes to get through triage, that five minute delay can cause a lot of delay, um, a lot of of damage to the brain. You lose 1.9 million brain neurons every minute during a stroke. So every wow. So tell us what TPA, you mentioned the clot-busting drug. Tell us a little bit about what that does, and then what is next for someone who has had a stroke? What is life like for them after treatment? So TPA is called, it's tissue plasminogen activator, or Altaplace, or the trade name is Activase, and it's the only FDA-approved drug for treating acute stroke. The issue with TPA is that um, it can only be given during the first four and a half hours of a stroke so it's because after that time, what TPA does is it breaks up the clot. It breaks up clot all over the body. We normally produce TPA or um, Altaplace or Activase in our body systems all the time. We're always making and breaking down clots all the time in our bodies. So what this TPA dose or this um, Altaplace dose is, it's a super hundred times more what you normally have in your body. Um, it's just a super dose of it. It runs in over an hour in the emergency department, um, and it breaks up the clot that's causing the stroke in your brain, hopefully. So um, so that's what it does. Um, but again, after four and a half hours, the risk of bleeding from that into that stroke or from that drug is very, very high, so we can't give it after four and a half hours. So you really have to come in right away. And then what about the next steps, rehab, life after, and does, does it put you at risk for another stroke? It does. You have, once you have a stroke or a TIA, so a TIA, we didn't talk about that yet, but a TIA is um, a transient ischemic attack, and it's like a mini-stroke. People call it a mini-stroke. And what it is is when symptoms happen and then they go away on their own without being treated. If you have a TIA, you have a one in four chance of dying of a stroke within a year. So a lot of my patients come in and they'll say, oh, this happened to me a couple weeks ago, but the symptoms went away, so I stayed home. You really need to, you need to go in and have, some, have someone, a physician, or the emergency department look at you once you've had a TIA. Even if those symptoms go away, you need to be evaluated because it really is a warning sign for a stroke. So you are at, more, you are, are at higher risk for having a second stroke, especially if you're younger. Um, we have a lot of younger people that are coming in for stroke, and they are w- twice as likely of having another event, either a stroke or a heart attack, than their peer group. So 
So it's very, very important that you get treated and you get in there because you are at higher risk for another stroke. Um, Post having a stroke, depending on your symptoms, most of the patients nowadays go home from their stroke. Um, I think uh, it, I think the national statistics are about 50% of people go home after they have a stroke to their to their home care, and they have visiting nurses or they have home health and home physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy. Many patients go to um, either inpatient acute rehab or to skilled facility acute rehabs. So there is a rehab period that is is um, occurs after a stroke, and it just depends on how severe the stroke are and what your symptoms are from the stroke that were re- that were left over after your stroke was completed. But um, it, it is a there's very um, there's very good treatment for stroke post post event now. Um, when I first started in nursing, you know, in 1982, there was not a whole lot we could do for stroke. And now, stroke people get better every day. You can get better. There's no there's no limit to when you stop getting better. Um, people can get better with every day. You just have to keep working at it. Wow, Barbara, what great information. Wrap it up for us with your best advice for hopefully preventing a stroke in the first place and the importance of recognizing BFAST as the acronym for stroke symptoms. So I think the the best thing I can tell you is make sure that you control your risk factors. If you're hypertense, if you have hypertension or high blood pressure, make sure that you're taking your medications every day as directed by your physician and do not stop taking them without talking to someone. Um, many times people stop taking their high, their high blood pressure medications because they have side effects from it. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of medications out there that can treat high blood pressure. And please, please, please go back and have your physician give you another medication for that blood pressure if you're having side effects from one. Don't just stop taking it and think everything's fine. Hypertension or high blood pressure is considered the silent killer because most people have high blood pressure out to five years before they actually have any kind of symptoms from it that they get treatment for. So if you have high blood pressure, stay on your medications. Don't ever stop taking them. Um, Same with high cholesterol. High cholesterol is a very high risk factor for stroke um, and heart disease, and there's many ways to treat it. If you have a reaction to one of the statins, which is the the class of drugs that we we use to treat high, high cholesterol levels, there's many, many more that you can be given. Diet and exercise work, and there's many different drugs that you can be put on. Um, atrial fibrillation is another, um, it's an, it's a, is another risk factor, and it's a, um, an, an arrhythmia or an abnormal rhythm of the heart, and it causes clots to form in the heart that then get, get um, when the heart squeezes, it shoots the clot up into the brain. So um, there's many different anticoagulation therapies you can be on now um, that, you need to stay on once you're put on them. You shouldn't really take them, you know, stop taking them without talking to your doctor. There's side effects from some of those, but again, they can switch you to another one. Um, But the biggest piece of advice is if you have risk factors, you need to control them as soon as you can. That's the biggest um, piece of advice. And be fast. Remember that acronym. Make sure that your family and your friends and your loved ones know that acronym, especially if you have one of the risk factors. Um, Children are very good. Kids, grandkids being around grandparents. Um, make sure that they understand it. There's fast um, magnets you can get places at, we hand them out all the time at street fairs and health fairs um, to put on your refrigerator and make sure that everyone in your household knows how to activate 911, when to activate 911, and especially little kids. We had a situation here at Temecula Valley where a seven-year-old noticed the symptoms on his, grandma, on his grandfather and actually called 911. We were able to treat the gentleman. Um, so, even kids can help with this. So you need to make sure that everybody understands the BFAST acronym, what knows what to look for, and how to activate 911. 
Thank you so much, Barbara. Great information and so beautifully laid out for the listeners. Thank you again. It's really important for them to understand that acronym and learn what to do in the case of a stroke. You're listening to TVH Health Chat with Temecula Valley Hospital. For more information, please visit TemeculaValleyHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Temecula Valley Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.